Welcome to Mr. Kim Reads. The Cricket in Times Square, by George Selden, illustrated by Garth Williams. Chapter Eight: Tucker's Life Savings. Chester Cricket was having a dream. In his dream, he was sitting on top of his stump back in Connecticut, eating a leaf from the willow tree. He would bite off a piece of leaf, chew it up, and swallow it. But for some reason, it didn't taste as good as usual. There was something dry and papery about it, and it had a bitter flavor. Still, Chester kept eating, hoping that it would begin to taste better. A storm came up in his dream. The wind blew clouds of dust across the meadow. They swirled around his stump, and Chester began to sneeze because the dust got in his nose. But he still held on to the leaf, and then he sneezed such a big sneeze that it woke him up. Chester looked around him. He had been walking in his sleep, and he was sitting on the edge of the cash register. The storm had been a gust of air that blew into the newsstand when the shuttle pulled up to the station. He was still choking from the dirt that flew around him. Chester looked down at his two front legs, half expecting to find the willow leaf, but it was no leaf he was holding. It was a two-dollar bill, and he had already eaten half of it. He dropped the bill, and leaped over to the cricket cage where Tucker Mouse was sleeping peacefully. Chester shook the silver bell furiously. It rang like a fire alarm. Tucker jumped out from under his blanket of dollar bills and ran around the cage, shouting, "Help! Fire! Murder! Police!" Then he realized where he was and sat down, panting. "What's the matter with you, Chester?" he said. "I could have died from fright. I just ate half of a two-dollar bill," said Chester. Tucker stared at him with disbelief. "You did." You did what? He he asked. Yes," said Chester. "Look," he fetched the ruined two-dollar bill from the cash register. "I dreamed it was a leaf. I ate it." "Oh, oh, oh, oh!" moaned Tucker Mouse. "Not a one-dollar bill. Not even a one-dollar bill and a fifty-cent piece. Two dollars you had to eat." And from the Bellinis too, people who hardly make two dollars in two days. What am I going to do? Asked Chester. Pack your bags and go to California," said Tucker. Chester shook his head. "I can't," he said. "They've been so good to me. I can't run away." Tucker Mouse shrugged his shoulders. "Then stay and take the rap," he said. He crept out of the cage and examined the remains of the money. There's, there's still half of it left. Maybe we could scotch, we could put scotch tape along the edge and pass it off as a one-dollar bill. No one would believe it," said Chester. He sat down, still forlornly holding the bill. Oh dear. And things were going along so nicely. Tucker Mouse put his bedclothes back in the cash register drawer and came to sit beside Chester. "Look up," he said. 
We could still figure something out, maybe. They both concentrated for a min- minute. Then Tucker clapped his paws and squeaked, "I got it. Eat the rest of it, and they'll never know what happened." They'd accuse each other of losing it," said Chester. "I don't want to make any bad feelings between them." "Oh, you're so honorable," said Tucker. "It's disgusting." "Besides, it tastes bad," added Chester. "Then how about this?" Tucker had a new idea. We frame the janitor, who cleans the station. I'll take the evidence over and plant it in his water closet. He whopped me with a mop last week. I'll be glad to see him go to jail for a few days. No, no," said Chester. "We can't get somebody else in trouble." Then a stranger," said Tucker. "We tip over the Kleenex." Break the glass in the alarm clock, and throw all the small change on the floor. They'll think a thief came in the night. You could even put a bandage on, and make out like a hero. I could see it all. No, Chester interrupted him. The damage we do would cost even more than the two dollars. Tucker had one more idea. He was going to volunteer to go over and swipe two dollars from the lunch counter, but before he could suggest that, the top of the stand was suddenly lifted off. They had forgotten what time it was. Mama Bellini, who was on duty in the morning, stood towering, frowning down on them. Tucker let out a squeak of fear and jumped to the floor. "Catch the mouse!" shouted Mama. She picked up a Fortune magazine, very big and heavy, and heaved it after Tucker. It hit him on the left hind leg just as he vanished into the drain pipe. Chester Cricket sat frozen to the spot. He was caught red-handed, holding the chewed-up two dollars in his front legs, muttering with rage. Mama Bellini picked him up by his antenna, tossed him into the cricket cage, and locked the gate behind him. When she had put the new stand in order, she pulled out her knitting, and began to work furiously. But she was so angry, she kept dropping stitches, and that made her angrier still. Chester crouched in a far corner of the cage. Things had been going so well between Mama and him, but that was all ruined now. He half expected that she would pick him up, cage and all, and throw him onto the shuttle tracks. At eight thirty, Mario and Papa arrived. Mario wanted to go to Coney Island for a swim today. But before he could even say "Good morning," Mama stretched out her hand and pointed sternly at Chester. There he was, with the evidence beside him. A three-cornered conversation began. Mama denounced Chester as a money eater and said further that she suspected him of inviting mice and other unsavory characters into the newsstand at night. Papa said he didn't think Chester had eaten the two dollars on purpose. And what difference did it make if a mouse or two came in? Mama said he had to go. Papa said he could stay, but he'd have to be kept in the cage. And Mario knew that Chester, like all people who are used to freedom, would rather die than live his life behind bars. Finally, it was decided that since the cricket was Mario's pet, the boy would have to replace the money. And when he had, Chester could come out again. 
Until then, the cage. By working part-time delivering groceries when he wasn't take care, taking care of the newsstand, Mario thought he could earn enough in a couple of weeks to get Chester out of jail. Of course, that would mean no swimming at Coney Island, and no movies, and no nothing. But it was worth it. He fed the cricket his breakfast, leftover asparagus tips, and a piece of cabbage leaf. Chester had practically no appetite after what had happened. Then when the cricket was finished, Mario said, Goodbye, and told him not to worry, and went off to the grocery store to see about his job. That night, after Papa had shut up the newsstand, Chester was hanging through the gilded bars of his cage. Earlier in the evening, Mario had come back to feed him his supper, but then he had to leave right away to get in a few more hours of work. Most of the day, Chester had spent inventing hopping games to try to keep himself entertained, but that they didn't work, really. He was bored and lonely. The funny thing was that, although he had been sleepy and kept wishing it were night, now that it was, he couldn't fall asleep. Chester heard the soft padding of feet beneath him. Harry Cat sprang up and landed on the shelf. In a moment, Tucker Mouse followed him from the stool, groaning with pain. He was still limping in his left hind leg where the Fortune magazine had hit him. How long is the sentence, Mal? asked Harry. Until Mario can pay back the money, sighed Chester. Couldn't you get out on bail for the time being? asked Tucker. No, said Chester. And anyway, nobody has any bail. I'm surprised they let me off that easily. Harry Cat folded his front paws over each other and rested his head on them. Let me get this straight, Mal, he said. Does Mario have to work for the money as punishment, Mal? Or does he have to get it somewhere, Mal? He just has to get it, said Chester. Why should he be punished? I'm the one who ate the money. Harry looked at Tucker, a long look. As if he expected the mouse to say something, Tucker began to fidget. Say, Chester, you want to escape? He asked. We can open the cage. You could come and live in the drain pipe. No. Chester shook his head. It wouldn't be fair to Mario. I'll just have to serve out the time. Harry looked at Tucker again and began tapping one of his paws. Well, now, he said finally. Tucker moaned and massaged his sore spot. Oh, my poor leg. That Mama Bellini can sure heave a magazine. Feel the bump, Harry, he offered. I felt it already, Mal, said Harry. Now enough of the stalling. You have the money, Mal. Tucker has money? Said Chester Cricket. Tucker looked nervously from one to the other. I have my life savings, he said in a pathetic voice. He's the richest mouse in New York, Mal, said Harry. Old Moneybags Mouse. He's known as Mal. Now, wait a minute, Harry, said Tucker. 
Let's not make too much from a few nickels and dimes. How did you get money? asked Chester. Pucker Mouse cleared his throat and began wringing his two front feet. When he spoke, his voice was all choked up with emotion. Years ago, he said, when yet a little mouse I was, tender in age and lacking in inexperience, I moved from the sweet scenes of my childhood, 10th Avenue that is, into the Times Square subway station. And it was here that I learned the value of economicness, which means saving. Many and many an old mouse did I see crawling away unwanted to a poor mouse's grave because he had not saved. And I resolved that such a fate would never come to me. All of which means that you've got a pile of loot Back there in the drain pipe, Mal, said Harry Cat. Just a minute, please, if you wouldn't mind, said Tucker. I'll tell it in my own way. His voice became high and pitiful again. So for all the long years of my youth, when I could have been gambling, which means playing, with other mousies, I saved. I save paper, I save food, I save clothing. Save time and get to the point, Mal, said Harry. Tucker gave Harry a sour, a sour smile. And I also save money, he went on. In the course of many years of scrounging, it was, the, it was only natural that I should find a certain amount of loose change. Often, oh, often, my friends, Tucker put his hand over his heart, would I sit in the opening of my drain pipe watching the human beings and waiting. And whenever one of them dropped a coin, however small, pennies I love, I would dash out at great peril to life and limb and bring it back to my house. Ah, when I think of the tramping shoes and the dangerous galoshes, Many times have I had my toes stepped on and my whiskers torn off because of these labors. But it was worth it. Oh, it was worth it, my friends. On account of now, I have two half dollars, five quarters, two dimes, six nickels, and 18 pennies tucked away in the drain pipe. Which makes... Two dollars and ninety-three cents, Mao," said Harry Cat, after doing some quick addition. And I am proud of it, said Tucker Mouse. You've got all that. Why did you want to sleep on the two-dollar bills in the cricket cage? asked Chester. No folding money yet, said Tucker. It was a new sensation. You can get Chester out and still have 93 cents left, Mao, said Harry Cat. But I'll be ruined, whimpered Tucker. I'll be wiped out. Who'll take care of me in my old age? I will, Mao, said Harry. Now stop acting like a skinflint and let's get the money, Mao. 
Chester rang the silver bell to get their attention. I don't think Tucker should have to give up his life savings, he said. It's his money, and he can do what he wants with it. Tucker Mouse poked Harry in the ribs. Listen to the cricket, he said, acting noble and making me look like a bum. Of course I'll give the money. Wherever mice are spoken of, never let it be said that Tucker Mouse was stingy with his worldly goods. Besides, I could think of it as rent I pay for sleeping in the cage. In order that Tucker could keep at least one of each kind of coin, Harry Cat figured out that they should bring over one half dollar, four quarters, one dime, five nickels, and 15 cents. That would leave the mouse with a half dollar, a quarter, a dime, a nickel, and three cents. It's not a bad beginning, said Tucker. I could make up the losses in a year, maybe. The cat and the mouse had to make several trips back and forth between the drain pipe and the newsstand, carrying the money in their mouths. They passed the coins into the cage one by one, and Chester built them up into a column, starting with the half dollar on the bottom and ending with the dime, which was smallest, on top. It was morning by the time they were finished. They had just time enough to share half a hot dog before Mama Bellini was due to open the stand. Mario came with her. He wanted to feed Chester early and then work all morning until he took over the new stand at noon. When they lifted off the cover, Mama almost dropped her end. There was Chester, sitting on top of the column of change, chirping merrily. Mama's first suspicion was that the cricket had sneaked out and smuggled all the money from the cash register into the cage. When she looked in the drawer, the money from the night before was still there. Mario had the idea that Papa might have left it as a surprise. Mama shook her head. She would certainly have have known if he had two dollars to leave anybody. They asked Paul, the conductor, if he'd seen anyone around the newsstand. He said no. The only thing he'd noticed was that the big cat who sometimes prowled through the station had seemed to be busier than usual last night. And of course, they knew that he couldn't have anything to do with replacing the money. But whoever left it, Mama Bellini was true to her word. Chester was allowed out of the cage, and no further questions were asked. Although she wouldn't have admitted it for the world, Mama felt the same way about money that Tucker Mouse did. When you had it, you had it. And you didn't bother too much about where it came from. Now that concludes this episode of Mr. Kim Reads. Join me next time.